0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Diet Obsessed Podcast. I am your host, Veronica Santarelli, and this is a podcast for those of us who are just obsessed with all things diet culture, and we like to discuss the details and mention it all. All right, let's get into the episode. So today I'm going to be reviewing a new podcast I listened to called Diet Culture Rebel Podcast. It was really good. I'm also going to be reading an article about Jenny Craig starting to shut down a lot of its centers. Uh, but first, I wanted to give, as always, a quick personal update. So I recently updated my pod uh, logo for this podcast, in case any of you didn't notice. Um, and I want to read the last review that I got. And this is this is one of the reasons I did change the logo. So this is the last review I had. Unfortunately, this is an example of a podcast without a clear premise. I got bored very quickly. I wanted to give it a chance before I mentioned the obvious ripping off of the maintenance phase logo. It seems as if deliberate choices were made to position itself as a response to maintenance phase. When you have the whole of graphics to choose from and choose and choose one that has deliberate similarities to another podcast about food and your content aligns yourself with the philosophy that is counter to that other podcast, it feels very deliberate. Okay, so that was the review. Now, I think my premise is pretty clear here. I mean, I give a, my, my podcast, uh, formats are very simple. I give a quick personal update on my personal life, including detailed descriptions of all the food I eat, cause I am a foodie. And this podcast is very much a celebration of food. Um, you know, I'm Italian. I love food. And, and then I also do a review of another podcast and that's usually the second half. Um, I do try to give chapter markers in case anybody doesn't want to listen to my life, <laughs> and I totally get that. And you can skip my personal update, and you can go right to the review of the Diet Culture podcast because I always review something to do with the media podcasts, you know, that that deal with weight loss or weight loss drugs or fitness or wellness, like that. The, those are always the podcasts that I review now. Um The maintenance phase, the, the reason that I wanted to address this and change my logo is specifically because they so many reviews think I'm ripping this other logo off. And I'm like, no, that's not the case for anyone that listened to, you know, That's been listening to me. You know that I literally put no thought into the logo. I needed a logo. I searched organic on Canva, found an apple, and I'm like, oh, this will do. This is simple. I had never even heard of the Maintenance Phase podcast until someone accused me of ripping it off, and I'm like, what is this podcast? And I went and listened to it. I'm like, oh my god, I love this podcast. And I I don't necessarily think that I'm counter to that podcast. I mean, I review it just like I review other. Other podcasts because it deals with diet culture. That's what it is about. It's a it's kind of debunking myths about diet culture, and I I look at all podcasts with a critical eye. And some things I agree with, and some things I don't. And you know, maintenance phase is very science based, so I love that about them, and I love that they review that. And I, I'm super interested in their content, so I I support that show. I review that show. And some of it I agree with, and some of it I don't. So I give my honest opinion just like I do other things. And again, for those of you that have not been listening that much, you know, I come from a diet culture background. I was in the weight loss and fitness industry, and also my dad died a horrible death because he didn't take care of himself. So, you know, I very much believe in some parts of weight loss industries and diet culture, but then I don't believe in other aspects to it. So, I try to take a very balanced approach. I look at everything with a critical eye. I believe in some of it and I, and I don't believe in some of it and I just share my opinions. So if, this isn't your cup of tea, don't listen. Um, but that's the simple fact of the matter. Um, and, you know, I have a very defiant part of me. You know, I'm, I'm kind of a fighter. It's not something I'm proud of. Um, so there was part of me when I kept seeing these negative reviews that's like, well, fuck them. I'm going to keep my logo. But I also was like, well, I just don't like to be accused of stealing, <laughs> you know, that's just not me. And, you know, I, I don't want to be accused of ripping this other podcast off, especially when I'm celebrating that other podcast, So, and I also was like, well, if, if some of these people didn't think that I was trying to rip it off, maybe they would give it a a better chance. Like maybe they'd actually listen with a less critical ear. I don't know. Maybe they'll never like it Uh, because obviously people that hate diet culture and, you know, they might not like my podcast because I do, I do like some of the wellness industry. I do like some of the weight loss and diet culture hacks that, you know, I implement them into my own wellness routine. So... Um, but again, some of it I, I am about body positivity, and i I do support some of these things, so anyway, that's just me i I'm trying to figure out how to get myself out of some of the disordered stuff that I've learned through growing up in just our our American culture, just like everybody else is. We're all susceptible to it um and so you know i just i i I'm interested in all of it. I like to talk about it. And it's not always appropriate to talk about it today in, you know, everyday life. Uh, there's only certain people you can talk about it with and other people it'll really trigger. So that's why, again, I started this podcast because I want to, I want a community that wants to talk about it and wants to listen to it. And, you know, this is a safe place to do that. And, you know, you can share your opinions. I mean, I, I love the negative reviews, just like I love the positive reviews. So feel free to leave me a negative review. But again, I just didn't want to be accused of stealing something when that was never the case. So the new logo is of a fork, a plate, and a spoon. So it's like, you know, because I wanted something that denoted food, because I do love food and celebrate food. And I review a lot of restaurants that I go to and all that good stuff. So I definitely wanted something that that talked about that because You know, my, my title, The Diet Obsessed, is very much a play on words. It's like, I, it's a, it's, I love to see what people eat and talk about what people eat, talk about what I eat. So I'm very interested in people's diets in general, in the truest sense of that word, where it's just a pattern of eating, right? Like, I just like to hear what people are eating, good or bad, or healthy or not, you know, indulgent. And then, um, But then also, you know, there is a diet culture aspect to what I talk about, right? Because I'm always reviewing aspects of diet culture and wellness. And so I was debating whether to put a scale or the tape measure. Um, I had a little, you know, strong arm in there. I had a lot of things. Um, and, and, you know, I had some of you say, oh, you don't even need the, the tape measure because, you know, it's, you're more celebrating food and you just don't need that. I had one of my listeners say they'd like the scale better and visually I did like the scale better, I will admit, but the scale you know, the scale is very triggering and, you know, to some people. And I didn't, I didn't want to trigger people necessarily by looking at a scale on my logo. And also, it's not necessarily about the numbers on the scale, right? Like, we all fluctuate. Like, I, I believe, you know, as we age, we should be at a higher weight so that, you know, we, we have more fat on our body. Like, I just, you know, it's not about the numbers on the scale. Um, but I do very much believe in movement and, you know, taking care of, of your body. And a lot of that, you know, if you're moving, if you're like getting some physical fitness in, then, you know, you're, you're going to just live a healthier life period. So I, so I thought the tape measure would be good because the reality is when, when it does come to wanting to get healthier in general, you know, movement is very important. And that's even in the intuitive diet, you know, movement is just, you know, Gentle movement is important gentle nutrition and and when you are practicing those things, you will lose inches overweight right like you you if you are moving your body, you will have more muscle tone which will support your bone structure and allow you to have less injuries and a healthier heart, healthier brain, healthier mood. so that's why I put the tape measure because I'm like this denotes the aspect of diet culture and fitness and all the stuff that I preach and believe in um uh, with a, with also celebrating food. So that's why I came up with it. I chose the red because I wanted it to stand out and because I did kind of want the same colors that I had in my old logo with the red apple. So there you have it. That's my new logo. And again, I didn't put a ton of thought and time into it. I didn't hire a professional. I used Canva again, but you know, eventually I probably will again if I keep this going for another couple years. And I end up, you know, it's it's continuing to grow and something that I want to continue, then I might probably hire somebody and, and redo it again in the future. But I just I really did want to just get something up so I could stop this pattern of negative reviews based on the friggin Apple that I had on there. because I didn't give a shit about that Apple. I'm like, whatever. I don't care about the Apple. So anyway, that is where it comes from. That is my defense of my logo and my intentions. So, and I I will get, try to get a little bit better about putting in different chapter markers because, you know, some of you that have been listening that probably don't want to hear this defense of my content and logo, you might be bored with it. So I'll try to put some chapter markers so you can skip over this stuff if you don't want to listen to it again. All right, so let's get back into just a quick personal update uh, so last weekend, I'm taping this on a Wednesday morning. Uh, so last weekend, I went bowling on Friday after work, had some yummy pizza. I had sausage and jalapenos on it. Now, I wanted the pickled jalapenos because I, I really like those on a pizza. But I think they added fresh because the seeds were so hot. So I, I did end up picking most of the jalapenos off. And then I had some fried chicken skewers. Mm, they're so good. Dipped in buffalo sauce. And then on Saturday I just kind of wanted because I was I was knew I was having brunch with my friend Kate on Sunday so I wanted to have kind of a chill Saturday so Saturday <clears throat> the sun's game was on so my boyfriend went out to watch the game with his friends I decided to just kind of chill after work I did a little shopping um, I bought some baklava that was really delicious and I love baklava and some some like... Um, some really interesting gummies because, you know, because I'm in the cannabis industry and I sell a lot of gummies, uh, like cannabis gummies, I always crave gummies, like just regular gummies. (laughs) So I bought some gummies and snacked on some of those, uh, just relaxed after work. And then Sunday, I we wanted to try this new Uh, restaurant that had opened. It's called Prep and Pastry, and it's in Old Town Scottsdale. And I mean, you have me at the word pastry always. So, and the menu looked really good, and I assumed they're going to have homemade pastry. So I went and met my friend there, and we had just gotten there, and I had ordered a cocktail. She had ordered a cocktail. Her cocktail was way better than mine. I will never order a rum cocktail, but hers... Hers was delicious. It was very well balanced. Had some tartness to it. I actually didn't like my drink. I had gotten a mimosa with some prickly pear, something in it, but it was whatever the prickly pear aspect was too sweet. So whatever, I drank it. But you know, we just take we just ordered, and I I had ordered this like croissant like breakfast sandwich, and because I was really excited to try their croissants, uh, and. We didn't even notice, but there was like a fire alarm that that started going off after we put our food in and we, and I don't know, we were just oblivious to it. We were just talking. And it's so funny how you just like ignore fire alarms. I mean, I, even when my, uh, when they would go off in my apartment, I'd be like, is it really an emergency or did some, someone just like burn something and the smoke's in the air uh, but they actually kicked us out. They're like, "Um, sorry, but you need to leave. Uh, We can't give you your food. You can just leave. You don't have to pay for your drinks. And I'm like, and I was, I was happy to get a free drink, but I really wanted to try the food. So that was a little disappointing. So we just went across the street, like right across the street was this, like one of my favorite restaurants in Scottsdale, Olive and Ivy. It is an Italian restaurant that is delicious. They have insanely good, excuse me, red sauce. They have great, well, like when you go and sit down at a table, they have like this focaccia bread that they give you to snack on. Um, and so we sat at the bar because it was packed and... Um, I don't know. I didn't love my meal. I did post a picture on my Instagram. It was like, I don't know. I'm like obsessed with fried chicken lately, but it was this like kind of like almost like a, I thought it was going to be kind of like a hash and it had like, it was basically was like little chicken nuggets. I thought it was going to be more like shredded chicken in there, but, um, and it was like a side of chicken nuggets with this like poblano sauce, this like green poblano sauce with fried potatoes and then two eggs laid on top. I don't know. It was it was kind of weird. It was just like a weird combination. It wasn't bad. It was good, but not great. You know, not the textures were a a little bit weird. But anyway, uh, so and then the best thing though was these this black truffle arancini. I love arancini. It's those fried rice balls, and this one was a black truffle. So mm, so good. And then it came in there. They have the really good red sauce. I mean that is the determination of a good Italian restaurant, is what is their red sauce like? And if they have a good red sauce, that means they're a quality establishment. So this one had a delicious, it came in a red sauce with some pesto, and I love pesto. So that little side dish, I'm so glad I got it because it was definitely the highlight of the meal. And I did have a cocktail. I'm trying to, oh, I had a some sort of like, not a sangria, but it was some sort of pink fruity drink that was it was pretty good. So no complaints there. Um I went did a little shopping in that area after, but then went went home after that. So that was the weekend. And then I had done so much grocery shopping throughout the week that I ended up last week I had a pretty I, I made that vegan meal that I loved. That had like the rice and this curry sweet potato and all that stuff. It was very carb heavy, which I love carbs. And it was, it just didn't, wasn't like really high in protein. So this, this week I wanted to do higher protein and, you know, I, I've been, I, I pretty, I stock up pretty well when I go grocery shopping. So I had plenty of groceries in the house to not go grocery shopping this week. I just decided to like use a lot of the groceries that were kind of piling up. So I, um, so I made the salmon that I had in the freezer. And so I've been eating a lot of salmon. I had bought a bunch of Greek yogurt. So I've been making my healthy protein shakes with the yogurt and then doing some eggs at night with like my protein bagel. And I have some soup left that I, I might eat tonight. Um, I did eat, you know, I did have these garlic, these roasted garlic and onion chips that i had bought. So I, I, have eaten some of those at night when I need that saltiness and then I have, I ate a few of the gummies before I threw the bag away cuz ultimately like some gummies I love and some gummies I don't like it depends on the texture of the gummy um but I'd gotten through all the good gummies in the bag and I was just left with the gummies I didn't like and you know you know when you just have something that's there And even though you don't like it, you just eat it because it's like sugar and it's like it's there. So I I did throw the rest of the gummies away because I hate it when I'm just eating mindlessly and I don't actually like the texture or the taste of what I'm eating. It's just there. So I did throw those other like not so great gummies away. So I didn't just mindlessly eat them. Um, But I do have, I've had some, you know, I, I have that sweet tooth at night. So I just need a little something, something. So I did have some dark chocolate uh, and peanut butter filled, um, peanut butter cups left in the freezer. So I have a couple of those and just that little bit of saltiness and sweetness. That's, that's all I need. And so it's been, it's been good. I haven't done any like over, over overeating this week. I've just been pretty, you know, trying to go to bed in a reasonable time, get some rest, um, consistent with my cardio. I am now going to that, Uh, Legree Pilates, Body Politique Studio, quite a bit—not quite a bit, but at least like once or twice a week. Just, just to get, you know, get my tone back. I definitely have needed that back in my life, and now that there's a studio that's so close, I've been using it a lot. I need to push myself a little bit harder in those classes. Like I definitely have been resting quite a bit during the class and taking too many rests. So I do need to push myself a little bit harder. So, um, so I'll be taking another one of those classes later this week, actually tomorrow. And then I did, uh, I have done a little bit of foam rolling. So my friend Kate educated me that the pain that I've been feeling in my hips is really probably my hip flexors. So I did, I have been doing a little bit of foam rolling uh, to try to loosen that area up. I want to see if it makes a difference. Uh, I think it's helped a little bit. I, I need to do it more. It's painful, so I hate doing it, but it. I've I realized I need it. Uh, so I'm going to start doing that a little bit more consistently. I ordered a Pilates ring so that I can work on my inner thighs because... I just, that's an area that needs some attention, I'm realizing. So I'm going to be using that. I love a Pilates ring. Uh, And then... One more update. So I know that some of you, you know, this is the free podcast. Last week was my subscription to Craving More. So if you want to support the show or you love this content, please subscribe to Craving More. But in that last podcast, I talked about how I had made an appointment with Dr. Kasabian, this famous Beverly Hills doctor, to do my under eyes, to do this eye bright treatment. And it was going to be like insanely expensive, like forty five hundred dollars, and I was going to have to go to Beverly Hills and take time to do that. And what I was, I I was like seriously considering making this investment because that is one of my problem areas. But I do have a lot of different areas on my face that, like, I've been ignoring because you know I went through that really tough financial spot last week, last year. Now I'm back to a much better financial place, so now I can invest in my my beauty again. And so, you know, that is the amount of trouble and time and just the amount of money it's going to cost to go and get this procedure done. I'm like for that same amount of money, I can stay in Scottsdale and I can go to my beauty injector lady who is an allergen trainer who's, who is expensive, but compared to Dr. Kasabian is not expensive. And I can get my temples done. I can get my tro- my under eyes done. I can get my cheeks done. I can get my you know my my jawline done, and probably save a thousand dollars. Now, there's this other treatment that I saw because I follow her on Instagram. She's like at the beauty injector, and um, so you know, as some of you may know, if you've been listening to me for a while, my neck is my problem area. Now, or an area that I have extreme focus on. Now, again, if you had subscribed and listened to my last podcast, you would have learned about my slightly botched Botox. (laughs) Uh, So, but that's because I treated my neck and kind of like that, the under jawline. And so they have this new thing that I'm going to go check out. It's called the skin pen. And it's this like it looks like this little suction pen that they can do. They do it for both acne scarring, and they say it's a good treatment for the neck. And it's Sculptra, so it's like this PRP thing. When I think, which I think, like they have these like little needle injections, and then they I think they inject Sculptra, which Sculptra is supposed to. It's it's like a filler, but it's not a, like a filler. It's like it's supposed to stimulate your own collagen production. And so you do this all over your neck, and it's supposed to, over time, stimulate your collagen production. And she recommends getting three treatments a year. And the before and afters for, like, acne scars, I, I looked at the website of SkinPen, and they're really I mean, it it looks good. I I don't see a lot of before and afters for the neck, but I do, it seems like a treatment that makes sense as far as how it would work. And and I can see that it could be potentially very effective. Um, So, and it's $300 per treatment and they recommend three a year. So, you know, 900 bucks as an investment per year to have a beautiful glowing young looking neck with you know collagen stimulated which again if you if you're stimulating your own natural collagen you know that's how you maintain this like youthful neck, hopefully over time, and you don't need like a sudden neck lift, you know. I don't know, so we'll see. I, I obviously have very high hopes for this, and I have this other little area that I think I'm going to go get a consultation. It's my it's my left jowl side of my face. Now again, I'm not saying anybody should be as anal about their their faces, or this is just what I personally want to do. I have this little jowl area to the left of my mouth which is falling. It's falling for some reason way faster than my right side. And I had had this like kind of like acne cyst zit thing there a long time ago and it did cause a scar. So I have like one acne scar divot in my face. Now s- s- most people probably don't wouldn't even notice it. I notice it of course. So I'm wondering if I should get that area done with the skin pen. It's a much smaller area, but it is an area that really bothers me. So I have gotten filler there before, but I'm just wondering if the skin pen might be a better option. So I'm going to go do the consultation, see what it's all about. Maybe start with my neck. I don't know. We'll see. But I will report back. I will definitely be documenting it and um, stay tuned for that. All right, so now let's get into the next topic, which is all about Jenny Craig. So I'm going to read an article from, I think it's CBS News, and it states, Jenny Craig is reportedly winding down its weight loss centers and warning of mass layoffs. So let me just read this. So Jenny Craig is reportedly shutting down some of its weight loss centers and warning employees of mass layoffs amid upheaval in the industry from popular new prescription drugs like Ozempic. Jenny Craig alerted employees to potential layoffs as it begins winding down physical operations and hunts for a buyer, according to NBC News. Jenny Craig has nearly 500 weight loss centers in the United States and Canada. The company, founded in 1983, did not disclose to CNN how many weight loss centers will close or how many employees will be impacted. Like many other companies, we're currently transitioning from brick-and-mortar retail business to a customer-friendly, e-commerce-driven model. We will have more details to share in the coming weeks as our plans are solidified, a spokesperson for Jenny Craig said in a statement to CNN. Jenny Craig's program provides nutritionally balanced menus, which include entrees, desserts, and snacks designed to help people lose weight. Bloomberg reported this week that the company has roughly $250 million of debt and is considering a bankruptcy filing if efforts to find a buyer for its assets fail. It's the latest sign of major changes in the weight loss industry brought on by popular new prescription drugs like Wegovi, Ozempic, and Rebellis. These relatively new drugs work by stimulating the release of insulin, which helps lower blood sugar. They also slow the passage of food through the gut. The FDA approved Ozempic for the management of diabetes in 2017 and Wagovi for weight loss in 2021. Traditional weight loss companies are scrambling to adjust. Weight loss, I'm um, sorry, Weight Watchers is also getting into the prescription weight loss drug business. The company, now known as WW International, recently bought Sequence, a telehealth subscription service that connects patients with doctors who can prescribe weight loss and diabetes drugs. The $106 million acquisition of Sequence will give WW a foothold into the growing market for prescription drugs to manage weight loss. Ozempic has gained popularity in part due to celebrities using it for weight loss. But there are many concerns with using diabetes drugs for weight loss, including high costs and shortages that are making it harder for people with diabetes to obtain the drugs. All right, so... So let me share my, a couple of thoughts on this. Uh, well, first of all, if you haven't listened to my episode on that, the fact that Weight Watchers was acquiring that weight loss center and I called it kind of a genius move, I mean, they saved their business. That's how they, they will stay and survive and weather this whole Ozempic or semiglutide, uh, craze because they made that move. And look, that is how companies stay alive. You know, I've learned, I've never studied the failure and success of companies overall since my company drama, where we almost went out of business for my startup company last year. Um, so, you know, Jenny Craig, when I was in the weight loss industry, Jenny Craig was a big competitor for us. And, you know, back in the day, look, I never, I never understood why people would choose to, I mean, I understood why people did Jenny Craig. I mean, it's, it was always easy. It's like that in Nutrisystem, right? Like you get these pre-packaged meals, you don't have to think about anything. It's perfectly portion controlled. And, you know, that's it. Um, And so I, you know, I knew people that would do that program and then gain all the weight back. And that was pretty common. I mean, and that's that's kind of their success model, right? People just come back, they lose the weight. But it's, you know, when you're not making your own foods, when you're not able to eat real foods, it's hard to control that when you go back into society. I do know that, you know, part of their program eventually ended up you know, adjusting to incorporating a maintenance program where they helped people transition to real foods. But I mean, that's always going to be a challenge if you're not learning portion control, if you're not learning healthy habits as far as, you know, high, high density foods and, and high nutritional value foods and foods that keep you full longer and the importance of protein and all those things, it's hard to maintain weight loss for, for a long time. And in general, there's of course the, all the studies that say it's 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 not possible for most of of the population to lose weight and maintain it. That's why they say diets don't work. Um, but, you know, I think I think Jenny Craig is that and, and Nutrisystem, those types of programs are are the extreme of that version. S- same thing with like a medi weight loss where now I assume that some of these medi weight losses where they basically put you on a starvation plan where you just put yourself into ketosis and you would basically eat like you know, less than a thousand calories a day and you'd be under doctor supervision, you get B12 shots. Like I imagine those types of programs that a lot of people did lose a lot of weight, but also gained it back because again, it was so restrictive and they just starved themselves. And then, you know, they'd go back to trying to maintain that and, Couldn't stay in that starvation phase, and a lot of these people did kind of mess up their metabolisms from, you know, so much food restriction and extreme measures to lose weight. I mean, that does affect you. So, um, so I think those programs have, like, some of them have probably started prescribing these semaglutide shots and probably have a lot more success. I mean, that's the reality. Is you know, the whole problem with diets and like when you're using it for the weight loss term is you're restricted. You're hungry. You know, when you're hungry, you're going to crave things and you, it's, you're miserable. It sucks to lose weight, you know, especially if, you know, it It sucks to be hungry. Let's let's just say it that like nobody wants to be hungry and live like that and hold themselves back from all the delicious food that we're constantly surrounded by in our society, Now with the semaglutides, apparently you just lose all interest for food. Uh, So, I mean, that's, that's, again, that's how Weight Watchers is going to survive. So this news is not surprising. I'm definitely, I'm sure we'll hear of more that will be going through this. I'm kind of curious about, you know, a lot of the, a lot of registered dietitians and, and people that, um, you know, counsel intuitive eating, I, I, I just, I wonder if a lot of their clients are going to turn to these because there's so much anti-talk about it. You know, what are, what are the repercussions? What are, and I mean, nobody really knows, but, uh, but, you know, they're preaching against that and are they preaching against it because they want to save their industry because they're losing business or because they have real concerns? I'm sure it's a little bit of both, but um, I just thought that that was interesting and, and look, the reality is a retail, retail businesses are suffering anyway, because everything is going online. So it probably just makes sense for Jenny Craig to pivot like this. And, and, you know, retail is kind of dying anyway, just because of the whole Amazon craze and everybody's shopping online and all that stuff. So, uh, so again, not surprising, and again it just shows that weight watchers pivoting like that and and just taking action they did they did save their business. So um so yeah, just wanted to talk about that real quick. All right, so now let's get into the review of Diet Culture Rebel podcast. So, this is from a registered dietitian by the name of Bonnie Roney. I hope I'm saying that correctly. She's a registered dietitian. Uh, On Instagram, she's at diet, period, culture, period, rebel. And on it, you'll see that she's all about making peace with food. Uh, she is all about pursuing health without diets. Uh, she's the host and creator of this podcast and she does private coaching for people that want to learn how to intuitively eat and focus on their health with a non-diet approach and i I really enjoyed listening to this podcast. I thought it was very well done. Uh, I like her speaking voice. It's very clear and and pleasant to listen to. (laughs) Uh, And so I was interested in this topic because she did a topic not too long ago called how Noom uses anti-diet language to sell a dieting program. So Noom, N-O-O-M, that is, uh, I'm sorry, a diet program that I have been interested in learning more about. My my parents thought they had done Noom, and when they were describing it, they were like, they were describing it as they can't have any sugar or flour. And I'm like, I don't think that's Noom, Ma. And it turns out she was totally wrong. She was thinking about this other, she'd read this book about a woman that feels like she's addicted to sugar and flour and has like completely cut it out of her life. I, maybe I'll read that book and, and do a review on that. I mean, that's another extreme type of dieting thing. But anyway, I, I knew that the way my mom described it, it was not Noom. What I had always heard just over an overview of Noom is that it, it used some sort of psychology to to help people lose weight. And I've heard it's, it's advertised quite heavily, especially in the podcast sphere. So when I, because I listen to so many podcasts, I hear Noom advertised quite a bit. And I remember the last advertisement I heard, I was like, I, again, this is, this is, again, something that I'm going to say that's personal. I I, I wish them, I, I, I don't, I never wish for the failure of any company. I mean, especially how I almost, you know, went, went out of business with my startup. Um, you know, I don't, I don't wish that kind of stress or anxiety on anyone, my thoughts, though, when I kept hearing Noom advertised in this whole Ozempic craze, I'm like, I wonder how long they'll survive, you know? And and my thought is, I bet they raised a wicked lot of money and they, they just have, they have a lot, probably have a lot of money, investor money that they're surviving off of now. But I would, I would imagine that potentially that their revenues have gone down since this whole semaglutide phase. I could be wrong. But I wonder if we'll hear some news, some unfortunate news about Zoom, uh, about Noom soon. I don't know. Anyway, but I did want to review it. And, and I was curious what the breakdown was. So Bonnie does a great job in breaking this down. So she wanted to talk about how, you know, as intuitive eating has gotten more popular. And she was frustrated because she feels that a lot of companies are starting to use, you know, intuitive language, I'm sorry, intuitive eating language and non-diet approach language to sell diets and to sell diet culture. So she's frustrated that they're kind of like, you know, misappropriating that language. And so she says that Noom, you know, when, when she went to do the research, she said their philosophy is all about stop dieting and get lifelong results. They say they're not a diet. Um, but Bonnie's here because she, you know, did a deep dive on this and so she's going to kind of break it all down. So she does like some things about the app and then there are some things that she didn't like and she wants to talk about the risks so that people can make educated decisions in terms of like, is this going to be right for you? And, you know, it sounds like she's very, I mean, she's very focused on intuitive eating, but she's also very much about empowering people to make their own choices for their own bodies. Um, And so she's big on body autonomy. She's like, everyone has the right to do their thing. She's like, you know, if you choose to pursue dieting, she's like, that is your choice. Uh, She's like, she doesn't blame anyone for that because, uh, you know, she's like, we're all steeped in this diet culture world. And it's very prevalent in our society, but she wants to provide accurate information so that people can make informed choices about, you know, what is going to be right for them. So she described Noom as a diet program and application app that started back in 2008. And they focus on using psychology, technology, and human coaching to help people lose weight they say weight loss is not rocket science. It's psychology based. So they use uh, cognitive behavioral therapy and look at psychology behind food. Uh, And then they recommend taking a quiz to share, you know, to share your goals. And so she saw the red flags as being things like some of the questions that they were asking people that were signing up for this app. So one of the questions is, do you have an upcoming event? And what she thought was this feeds into a toxic idea that our bodies are only worthy of doing certain things if they lose weight. She's like, as if your body isn't currently acceptable as it is, and you can't just live your life as you are today. She's like, you know, we, in my practice, she's like, we try to steer our clients away from this line of thinking as much as possible. Um, And I do understand, you know, again, this is my opinion, Veronica's opinion, but um, I think that that's really important. I think one of the things that really helped me just with my life is go as you are. Like, you don't have to be perfect you know, you don't have to have perfect makeup and perfect this. So it's just like go at the end of perfectionism. And, you know, as this relates to weight loss, so many women have like held themselves back from participating in life because they're like, oh, I, 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 I don't feel like I'm at the right weight to be able to do that. So I do understand that. Now, coming from the weight loss industry, right, that is just a question that it's a sales question, to be honest. It's it's, do you have an upcoming event? So that like, is there a sense of urgency for you to take action? Right? Is there an emotional driver for you to take this step forward to change your body? Right? And so that is kind of like, uh, you know, a, a question that can inspire people to, to focus on what's important to them so that they can take action. So I, again, I I see why Noom does this as a practice, and I see why she doesn't like it. But there's there's looking at it from the dietitian standpoint, and it's unhealthy. But then there's also just the business aspect, which is a lot of why Noom is doing it, so that they can grow. Um. So then she said, so then Noom in there, you know, when you're going through the the process of signing up for this, she said there's a series of statements. And they ask you if you agree with these statements. So I'm going to go ahead and read these statements that they say. My weight loss has affected my, my I'm sorry, my weight has affected my ability to socialize, engage with friends and family. Um, okay, so that, that's the statement. My weight has affected my ability to socialize, engage with friends and family. Now, Bonnie's understanding of this. She didn't like the statement because she feels it feeds into the idea of blaming your body for things. Um, She says, it also also gives you questions surrounding a weight loss fantasy. So the next statement they make is, when I'm at my happy weight, I would love to eat more mindfully, enjoy all foods guilt-free, feel empowered to make healthy choices think less about food overall, and worry less about my body overall. Uh, Another statement that Noom puts down is, "When When I think of reaching my happy weight, I see myself believing in myself, being more energetic, living outside my comfort zones, having a vibrant social life, and putting my needs first. And so, so Bonnie doesn't like these statements. She feels like this feeds into having a weight loss fantasy. She's like, that means telling yourself all the ways that your life will be different when you lose the weight, you know, things that you'll allow yourself to do and feel, you know, maybe I'll do all these things, you know, when I get to my goal weight. And she's like, this fantasy can feel exciting and motivating but how does it make you feel about your current state? So again, you know, this is a really a, a good and thoughtful thing, you know, coming from her standpoint where, you know, she's just like, people need to be able to accept themselves now in their current body and find joy and happiness, right? They shouldn't be waiting for this, this. This state down the line of happiness and joy when just based on an arbitrary weight. So I do understand the importance of what she's saying there to not live life to the fullest, even if you're not entirely happy with where your your body is right now, that's not a that's not a good existence, right? You should be finding joy in everyday life and gratitude in everyday life and and allowing yourself to partake in life. So, you know, from Noom's standpoint, they are, you know, that is sometimes what happens to us psychologically. Like if we have gained weight, though. So some some people, because of, you know, these internal thoughts, sometimes they do feel that. Um, and what Bonnie tries to coach clients out of is not not getting in that headspace. Right. But that is sometimes what happens to people. Right. Because of society, because of how fat phobic our society is and, you know, how we're taught to be insecure if we gain weight, it is a psychological thing. So, you know, whereas Noom is saying focus on these things and this will like help you get to your goal weight. What Bonnie's saying is don't focus on these things. Focus on enjoying your life now you know and and it sounds like and again we'll find this out later but she she does help people get healthier too but she's just saying like this this idea of a weight loss fantasy is not healthy because it makes you push off happiness and and hold off on that so i can definitely understand her standpoint there um so what she says is how many times have you had this fantasy and it's not sustainable uh, sure. She's like, maybe short term, short term, it can work for a while. She's like, but then it cycles and people tend to gain more weight back eventually. And then the fantasy is just gone. So Bonnie said, we help people see the toll dieting has played in their lives. What role dieting plays, it gives them something to look forward to. It's a fantasy. But what they do is work on doing some, oh, she's like, what what they do is work on doing some of those things currently on their fantasy list so they do it in their present body. Your body deserves it. So what she's saying here is like she's like, you know, people focused on dieting in their lives and just trying to lose weight to reach this fantasy of like what I'll do when? She's like we help people live those lives now and say don't put that off, do those things now. And I think that that's a that's a good thing that she's doing. <laughs> She said that sums up, so that sums up how she feels with the quiz. She's like, it's not great. Now, there are some things that she likes about their app. Um, so so the quiz that, that Noom gives you to understand kind of like your goals and your weight loss fantasy, she's like, that's not good. But the app, there are some features that are good. She's like, she does like that the app makes people set very small achievable goals and that you know this idea of doing something really small to help support creating you know positive momentum and positive healthy changes is is a really good thing she's like so many people set these massive goals and unattainable goals and then they fail immediately and just fall off uh, wanting to make any changes in their lives so she's like the small attainable goals is good she doesn't love, though, that it's centered around weight loss. She, other, you know, small goals can can be other things, not dependent on weight loss. She does like that they add that people need to take into account other facets that are not in our control, things like hormones and genetics. She does appreciate that they talk about this, but also things that they should mention that most people can't lose weight and keep it off long term. Um she does like i mean of course they wouldn't do that because that defeats their business right so i, I get that she's coming from that approach but obviously a business is not going to sink their own business but you know i understand what she's saying uh then she says they she likes that they identify lots of things that can impact weight fluctuation day to day uh like hydration pooping you know how, you know if you're having regular bowel movements things like sodium uh she said what's not good is that they mentioned that gaining weight is typically you know because you've consumed an additional 3500 calories uh because that's what it takes to gain a pound and she's like this really feeds into that whole calories in calories out equation and our bodies are so much more nuanced than that. She's like, a lot of restricting diets can blunt our metabolism, cause our body to create a hormone that makes our body want to hold on to fat because it was previously in a stage of restriction. So what she's basically saying is, is you know, she doesn't like that there's a focus on, you know, counting calories um, because, you know, then people look less at maybe nutrient dense things and just more about caloric intake. So, and that gets away from health and just focuses on weight loss in general. Um, she said another thing that she hates is how they co-op intuitive eating language and turn it into a way to lose weight. She said some of the questions that they pose are, You know, have you ever wondered why you grab a snack every time you go through the kitchen? Have you ever wondered about the brain-stomach connection for fullness? Have you ever wondered why you label certain foods good and bad? Why certain foods make you feel guilt when you eat them? Have you ever questioned why the scale can impact your mood? She said she doesn't like that they're using those same questions because it's, those are the questions that she uses in her own intuitive eating coaching practice. Um, She's like, true intuitive eating doesn't focus on using, on on using it to intentionally lose weight. Um, Now here's, here's what I will say to this. I don't think that Noom has ever presented itself as an intuitive eating model, so I don't think that it's necessarily a bad thing that they're teaching people to some of these good practices, right? Of of just looking at their behaviors and and questioning them. You know, I I do think that a lot of diet programs you do end up learning some things about your body and and science as far as like an approach to how your body loses and gains weight, how, you know, what's, what foods can be nutritious, what foods are, you know, you know, higher in sugar, what, so I, again, like I, I learned about the importance of protein in my, the weight loss industry. I learned about the importance of protein when I was in the fitness industry. And so, you know, I attribute some of my just knowledge about what to put into my body now and some of the hacks i i I've learned um to some of the things I've learned in diet culture and and I and again, I've been able to because I also celebrate and love food and I didn't grow up with an almond mom <laughs> you know I didn't grow up with diet culture in my house I grew up with the opposite. I grew up with a family that tried to feed me more than I needed. So, you know, it's, it's, it it is a different approach, but I, I don't, I, I don't think it's a bad thing that if you're able to take some of the good elements out of this and incorporate them into a healthy lifestyle, I don't think that that's a bad thing. But again, Bonnie comes from, Being so steeped in diet culture herself, like she had disordered eating. She had a lot of issues. And I don't know, I I haven't listened to enough of her podcast to understand like how she grew up and if she had an almond mom and if she was put into Weight Watchers, for example, when, when she was a child, because I think... When that happens to you when you're a child, it does make you more prone to these extreme measures with diet culture and unable to maybe just take the bits and pieces that work for you and incorporate them. Um, But again, I, I, I wasn't immersed in that. So I can look at this objectively and say, well, that's kind of a good thing. And I don't think it's a bad thing that that some of these programs do teach you some good things. I mean, so anyway, that's just my opinion on that. I understand why she's a little bit threatened by it because she's viewing it through a lens where she's like, they're trying to pose as non-diet culture when they actually are diet culture. So again, it's, she and I do look at things through a slightly different lens or a, a pretty big different lens, you know, again, based on our history, based on our experiences in life. So... Anyway, but I understand why she says what she says and why she personally doesn't like that. Um, She said when it comes to losing weight, uh, there are three things they recommend for success that Noom recommends for success. They recommend weighing yourself daily on a scale. Okay, now that is very controversial. As soon as she said that they recommend people weighing themselves every single day, I'm like, oh, that's going to be triggering for a lot of people. Um, logging food daily in a journal or like on their app. It sounds like their app has a place where you can log things and then completing Noom lessons daily. She's like, they recommend you weigh yourself on the same scale daily. She said, she says, they say that this will reduce your anxiety long-term, but she's seen in her personal practice that increased scale use only increases anxiety and rigidness And she's like, as someone who has personally struggled herself, she's like, she understands that for some people, it can make them restrict food if they happen to be up one day. And for other people, they may say, fuck it and binge because they're up. And they're like, I've been trying so hard. I just, you know, I just went and ate everything because why bother? I was, I was super, you know, you know, perfect in my diet, and I went up a pound, and and so I went on a binge because I I was still up, and and what's the point? And I've I I definitely saw this type of thing when I was in the weight loss industry. Uh, this is a very real thing. This is why I I don't necessarily I think for some people weighing yourself every single day can work. Like Jenny Hutt does it. I get on the scale quite often because I I, don't know, I like to, but um and it doesn't bother me, but um. But I, th- I definitely know other people. Like we used to make people weigh in three times a week when I was in the weight loss industry. And for some people, they just wouldn't. They're like, I'm not going to weigh three times a week. I'm only going to weigh once a week. Some people wouldn't even weigh themselves. And I always appreciated those people. I'm like, that person knows themselves. They know what's going to trigger them. They know what's going to set them off. And they push Push back on us and they're like no that is not going to work for me i those are like the smartest people if you can really introspectively look and say i like this part of the plan i don't like this part of the plan this is what's going to work for me this isn't i mean that's what everybody should be able to do unfortunately not everyone is that you know capable of doing that when when they start you know going on this journey so she's like other people see Oh, I'm a, I'm down a little bit, so I'm going to reward myself with eating more food, um, and use it as a motivate. And some other people use it as a motivation to restrict even more, so that they lose even more. Uh, and I again, I understand those are very real mentalities. It, it is interesting. I like that she poses all these different types of people and how different people respond to the same thing, because that is so real when it comes to like you know the diet mentality. Um, she's like, the problem with this, the commonality is that this external use of the scale takes people out of their bodies and out of these internal cues that they should be listening to. And focusing instead on this external number that often means nothing. You know, it could be just water retention. So she's like, they should be focusing on hunger cues, fullness cues, and satisfaction cues. And that is very true. Like that is that is very, very um, accurate and and really well put and a, and a very good response to why this won't work for some people. And maybe Noom should say, you know, put a caveat and say, well, if this triggers you, don't do it. You know, like this, you know, if this is something that works for you, but if you tend to have any of these tendencies and maybe lay out all these tendencies that Bonnie just said, you know, because I think it's important to teach people, like this is sometimes what can happen with this type of mentality. And if you're going to become one of these people, don't weigh yourself every day. Um, and so, she, she went on to say intuitive eating is about the inner journey, connecting to your body. And she's like, the scale become, can become very obsessive. She's like, for her personally, she remembers looking at pictures of herself when she struggled with food, and she could tell exactly how much she weighed in each of those pictures. She's like, she was so consumed with her weight. She said, she remembered going on this trip to New York. And she ended up getting on a scale and she saw that she was three pounds up and she was so devastated that it completely ruined her trip. She's like, I remember trying not to eat food and lying to people about why I wasn't eating. And, you know, as soon as I got home, I wanted to like rush to the scale and weigh myself to see if I'd lost that three pounds. So that is, you know, I really empathize with that type of mentality. I mean, to not have food freedom where, you say, "Fuck it! I'm gonna eat. I don't care if I gain some weight. I'm gonna enjoy my trip. I'm gonna eat everything in sight. I'm gonna enjoy every morsel in this new city and explore this new, 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 you know, culture or state or city through their food." I mean, that that to me is really sad that that happens. So. I do understand why she does what she does and why her kind of work is really important because some people can't enjoy food like this. And I I think that's the saddest existence. Like, I think people should, you know, be able to love and enjoy food anywhere they go and at any time. Um, And so she said in, in their practice... She said, they don't think people should weigh themselves because it can disrupt the intuitive eating process. She said, if you're too focused on what the scale says, you can't go inward. It can affect what people choose to eat based on what the numbers say. And that's the wrong focus in healing your relationship with food and learning to eat intuitively. And she said, lastly, when we talk about weighing yourself, we know weight is not a behavior. We like to help clients focus on how to improve their health through behavior changes in an anti-diet way. Food, choices, movement, managing stress, sleep, all of those different things are ways to improve health without focusing on dieting. She's like, weight is not a behavior. And she said, lastly, the logging meals issue. She's like, they use this green, yellow, and orange stoplight approach. She said, they say the colors are not meant to denote good or bad foods. She said, but they say the orange flag is meant to put up like kind of like a caution that means it contains a lot of calories without filling you up. Uh, and she said, when, when their clients use a program like this, it, it doesn't make them label foods good or bad. Um, now my, so I hate lot, like food journals would never work for me. I, you know, just like when I was trying to count calories, I, that, that triggered me. Like I'm not personally triggered by getting on a scale every day, but I am triggered by trying to count foods or count calories. That does trigger me. So um now I do think that, I think it is important that there is a method to teach people, though, about nutritious food. And I don't know that this is necessarily the best way. I mean, in in the weight loss program I used to teach, there were certain foods where you would only be able to have them once or twice a week. Uh, And, you know, I think like a banana, for example, was like one of those foods that you could only eat. It's like one of those fruits that they teach you to not eat as often. And I do, and I will say, I was scared to eat bananas for a long time, so that is the bad thing that can come from this. Like, you know, that's why I almost chose a banana as my logo, because I'm like, I don't know, I was thinking just throwing another fruit up there, and I'm like, well, I've had some weirdness around bananas related to diet culture, but also now I eat bananas all the time. Um, (laughs) But anyway, anyway, so I I do, I, I do think that, like, I know people that don't eat a lot of fruit. Like, I remember... I think it was like Meredith Marks on Beverly Hills Housewives was saying she doesn't really eat fruit because she doesn't eat sugar. And I'm like, oh, that's sad. Um, So, but I do think like I, I, because I've been in the weight loss and fitness industry and I just, I love nutrition and I don't know, I've, I've, I'm very knowledgeable about like nutrient dense foods and, but there are a lot of people that haven't grown up in this and really have no clue about about nutrition, about proper nutrition and about what foods contain and, you know, what is a good choice and what is, or sorry, I know you're not supposed to use good and bad, but what is a healthier choice and what is a more indulgent or, um, and again, she's she's pointing out there shouldn't be any type of labels on any foods, but I don't know. I, I do think that there has to be a method where some people learn about nutrition. And learn about, um, you know, your body and how it breaks down foods. And so, again, I don't know that this way is is necessarily good. And I, I understand what she's saying about labeling foods good and bad and how people shouldn't feel guilt about eating certain foods. But... I don't know. I, I do think that there has to be a method to teach people certain things. So I don't know what the answer is. But she said they also recommend using this flagging system to break down the percentage of how much you eat of each color. Um, every time you log a food, the Noom app rates it on the flag system and says to lose weight, you should eat foods that are low in calories and high in density. Uh, the only way to do that is to start knowing and learning the f- the food rating system and the flag system. Uh, she's like, this is why she doesn't like it. She's like, because it does feed into that good, bad mentality. She's like, and again, I, when was it? Was it the last episode I did on F Factor where F Factor was, um, you know, they have like their unlimited foods, which are vegetables and, you know, and, and again, so Again, restriction, yes, but also education through, you know, what is nutrient dense? What can you can eat a lot of something because it's really good for you. Very nutrient dense with low calories, like no worry about eating a lot of this. So again, I don't think that that's necessarily a bad thing to learn, but also it, for some mentalities it can lead to certain unhealthy behaviors. So again, I understand why she's saying that. Um so she's like her clients when they start seeing foods as good or bad based on how many calories, macros, points or color groups they fall into. She's like this takes them away again from enjoying food and listening to their body. So she's like she's like people shouldn't be choosing foods only based on the caloric in- uh, content. She's like it also overlooks how smart our bodies are. She's like they're trying to hack The system. She's like, oh, if we just fill up on this low calorie, high density food, you know, your body is still going to know that it's low in calories and your body will still want more calories soon. She's like, it does. And and then she's like, then it typically rebounds and people binge. They have intense food cravings for foods that are high in fat and calories. Um, she's like, Noom also wants you to do their lessons daily. And she's like, full disclosure, I didn't go through all of them. So she's like, I can't really speak to their lessons and, and what, what they do and what they teach and whether they're good or bad. So she's like, the app says to do all three things, three lessons, weigh yourself daily, journal your food, um, and, and take their, their daily lessons. And if you do, you end up getting rewarded with a Noom coin, And she's like, this helps you. She's like, they say that this helps you stay on track because you want to earn those, those coins. And she's like, I'm not entirely clear on what this is, but she's like, "It, it seems like you're earning cheat days. She's like, and, and she's like, they position it as it can help you manage vacations and long weekends and she's like, but this leads into this binging restricting pattern. She's like, this feeds into this last supper eating mentality where, you know, okay, it's, it's the weekend. I'm going to eat all these foods while I can. And I got to start back, you know, tracking my food and being more restrictive on Monday. So I'm going to get it all in now. Um, I definitely have a little bit of this mentality. I won't lie, but um, because I try to eat less sugar and heavy foods during the week and the weekends I really let myself go. So I I will say that I do do a little bit of this. But for me, I call it balance. Other people might call it disordered. Um, But I I do think if you are trying not to gain weight every single year and continue to gain and gain and gain as you get older, um, for me, that is important to not do that. I... Everybody has a different opinion on that, but um, personally, I do want to maintain the weight I'm at. And so um, having some sort of of method of balancing what I eat and that's, that's, it's a technique that I do use. Um, But again, I I don't have some of this, I I haven't been ingrained with diet culture my whole life. So um, she's like, they recommend a, a, um, a calorie deficit based on calories in and calories out, and that you should decrease calories by 3,500 calories a week. Now, this is odd because that's, it's, if this is just, and I don't know, it wasn't really clear whether there's just this arbitrary statement that they're saying, like, oh yeah, just decrease your calories by 3,500 a week. I mean, that's, and I guess maybe by choosing those, you know, whatever, green flag foods, that's how you do it. But, um, I get. I mean, I guess it's a method of teaching you, but anyway, I, I understand why she doesn't like that. But she, she, she says that, she says that this is just not sustainable in her opinion. And she's like, if, if you can't maintain a weight loss for f- over five years, she's like, it's not going to be sustainable. And she's like, they will add more calories if you're working out. She's like, but She also thinks that that can feed into this idea that you earn more food through movement and rather than just moving your body for the joy of moving your body and to feel good, you know, it's, it's movement so that you can eat more. So she's like, that's, again, teaching this, this not so healthy mentality, um, She's like, Noom won't allow women to go below 1200 calories and they won't allow men to go below 1400 calories. Wow. She's like, based on research, she goes, men go into starvation mentality at 1700 calories. So she's like, 1400 calories is insanely low. She, she referenced that that like study, that starvation study that they did way back in the day. Um, so she recaps, she, she's like, to sum it up, She's like, I think it's good that they give some some smarter tips, like menu planning. They do recommend menu planning before you go grocery shopping. But she hates that they they recommend not exposing yourself to certain aisles where you might crave things. She's like, that just doesn't align with intuitive eating. She hates also that Noom has co-opted part of the intuitive eating model into a diet program. She's like, this is clearly all aligned around restriction to help you lose weight. Clearly, certainly not intuitive eating. And again, my note here is like, did they ever say that they were teaching intuitive eating? I don't think so. I mean, they're not trying to hide the fact that they are trying to help people lose weight. And do it in a way that they don't have as many cravings as possible, so again, if people do want to lose weight, they do have to learn it somewhere, and so there has to be a way to teach people in the healthiest way possible how to achieve that goal um, and if you if they are teaching you foods that you can eat a lot of that keep you fuller longer and you you know and that that are low in calories i mean that is probably the best way to lose weight. I mean, besides doing something like a semaglutide where you're just not going to be hungry and then you're eating small portions of not nutrient-dense foods, right? If you're just eating a little sip of, you know, orange juice and eating a little piece of pizza and, you know, some a little tiny bit of pasta, you know, when you're not eating vegetables and protein and getting all these, you know, good nutritious things in, so I don't know. I mean, that's where I, I guess I disagree. If people do want to lose weight, then there has to be some sort of method of teaching them some techniques. So and I I don't think that that goal of of weight loss is a bad thing for all people. I think it's OK for people to want to lose a few pounds and to do it in, in the in the way that works best for them. So every diet is going to have their approach. And I mean, again, I see the good aspects to this and the not so good aspects to it, but I mean, it is a weight loss program. They're not trying to hide that. Um, And so what she recommends is if you're considering any diet like Noom, look at your history of dieting. She's like, has it ever worked long term or has it caused you to weight cycle, lose control with certain foods? She's like doing a new diet won't give you a, a different result. Bonnie also warns that doing a a diet like noom can potentially create eating disorders or disordered eating. She's like, and noom is extra sneaky because they are using a lot of anti-diet culture talk to lure you into the same old shit. She's like, she doesn't like noom, but still likes people who do noom. She's like, because we are all susceptible to diet culture. She's like, I used to be there too. So, Overall, I really like this podcast. I like the breakdown of Noom. I thought Bonnie did a great job. Um, again, and and she comes with a very specific viewpoint, and it sounds like she has, um, you know, she has a very specific lens that she looks through with this. And I understand why she does. I do. I uh, probably will go back and maybe listen to her very first podcast to get a little bit more background about her. Like I'd love to know how she grew up, if she had an almond mom, um, you know, all those things because, you know, I, I just love to to understand like how people got to where they did. Like again, the way I got to where I am is because my dad had heart attack after heart attack and diabetes and all these things. So, you know, I think that that's why I I I have a foot on both sides of this issue and I like to dissect things like this because I don't think that all programs are bad. I think that there are some good elements, Um, you know, I, so anyway, I'll, I'll talk more about this in another episode, but that's it for today. Uh, I am going to be doing some more good reviews coming up. If you want to support the show, please subscribe to Craving More. Um, You'll get two extra episodes a week. Uh, please follow me on Instagram at the Diet Obsessed Podcast. Please uh, rate, review, and uh, you know take time to leave a comment. I would love to hear your feedback. If you have any ideas on content you'd like me to create, any ideas for topics, please DM me. I love hearing from my listeners. And until we meet again, I hope all of you have a very balanced week.